Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. And once again, this podcast is proudly sponsored by the Health and Safety event. And by now, I'm sure you're very familiar with the event. It's the biggest national event for health and safety in the UK, and it takes place on the 25th to 27th of April 2023 at the NEC in Birmingham. And it's co-located with the Workplace event, the Fire Safety event, and the Security event, and the National Cybersecurity Show. And one pass will give you access to all of those free of charge. If you want to register now, you can do and look at their website, which is healthandsafetyevent.com, or just put in a search engine, health and safety event, and you can register for free. And we're the official lead media partner of that show, and you will be able to see us on our stand of the BSIF there. It would be great to chat to you in April if you want to come and see us. But as always, we start with the news. So where should we begin this week? Well, it's some news coming out of the British Safety Council. So the British Safety Council is offering any organisation employing more than 500 staff the chance to get free support to improve the well-being of their workplace. Through its campaign on workplace well-being, which is called Keep Thriving, the Health and Safety and Wellbeing Charity is inviting SMEs and microsized employers to apply to attend one of a series of free three-hour workshops to help them develop and, well, help them really develop a well-being strategy. So applications are currently open and will run until the 30th of November, so not long left to go, uh, just over a month from when I'm recording this. And the session is delivered by experts from the British Safety Council's Being Well Together programme. Um, and the idea of this is to help employees explore why well-being matters to them, their people and their business, and ways they can improve their well-being. The sessions will help small, medium and micro-sized employers to develop a strategy which works and to track and evaluate their progress. So Peter McGetrick, someone who's been on this podcast very recently and is the chairman of the British Safety Council, has commented on this and Peter said, We've been seeing more and more pressures piling onto businesses, especially smaller ones, both following the COVID pandemic and with the rising cost of energy. And as a charity, we want to do something to help. That's why we're offering SMEs and Microsoft employers the chance to improve well-being of their staff completely free of charge. So as I said, this is available to anyone with up to 500 staff. And if you want to apply for that, please do so. Go to the British Safety Council's website, britsafe.org. That's britsafe.org. And look for the Keep Thriving Free Workshops part on their website. So, you know, it's a really, really good initiative. It's, you know, I would say British Safety Council will be really out in the forefront of this, even more so since the COVID pandemic about um, really focusing on the well-being of staff and giving key advice to that. So go to britsafe.org for more information. So a little bit of news from us, actually, at the moment, and I've got some more in a bit. We are delighted to announce that in November 2023, on the 16th of November 2023, Health and Safety Matters will be doing an in-person conference in Edinburgh. It will be free to attend for everybody, and we will be opening registration next summer. It will be free to attend. You'll be able to get CPD sessions. We're going to have over... Over 20 seminars going on through the course of the day. Free lunch, tea and coffee for everybody. There's going to be a mock trial there based on Scottish law as well. So this is going to be an event not to be missed. If you're based in Scotland or you can get to Scotland, and I must say it's really easy to get to that venue, Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh Airport is a 15-minute tram ride straight to this venue uh, or cab ride or Uber. There's a train station basically next door to it, parking on site. It could not be 
any easier to attend. Now, if you're interested in exhibiting at this event or sponsoring this event, and we've had a lot of interest already, do drop me a line. Just reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, Mark Sennett, and, and I'll happily give you more information. But we'll, we'll be heavily promoting this a lot more from the summer next year. But I just wanted to give you guys a first heads up that that's what we're doing. And I'm really, really excited to be getting back to doing face-to-face -face events. And it will be CBD accredited. All of you will be able to get a CBD certificate for attending. There will be some great network opportunities. We've already got the backing of... Um, the British Safety Industry Federation and the Health and Safety Executive. So it's an event not to be missed and I will keep you all in the loop a bit close to the time. I wanted to give you an exclusive heads up on that's where we are right now. So the next news story comes from IOSH, Institution of Occupational Safety and Health. And IOSH is backing a campaign highlighting the role of psychosocial issues in work-related musculoskeletal disorders, MSDs. Now, that was not easy for me to say, but I managed it. So MSDs are the most common health problem among European workers, with around three in five people affected. We've actually done a webinar on this with the Health and Safety Executive, which I strongly urge you to go and have a look at. Go to our website, hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab, and you will see a down there with the Health and Safety Executive. We did one on this. I, mean, I think we had... Over 10,000 people take part in it. It was phenomenal. Absolutely vital topic. So MSDs such as back and neck pain, tendinitis, hand-arm vibration syndrome and carpal tunnel syndrome are often caused and aggravated by the work environment. So European Week for Safety and Health work, which runs, as I currently speak, on the 24th to 28th of October and provides a chance to focus on this topic. And I have done just that. IOSH is a long-term partner of the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work, uh, which is EU OSHA, and their Healthy Workplace campaign. So the current campaign, which is Healthy Workplaces, Light and Load, began in 2020 and covers eight priority areas for preventing work-related MSDs. The latest priorities is psychosocial issues such as stress, anxiety, depression, and their role in making MSDs worse or more difficult to recover from. So there are some improvements that IOSHA are calling on. So they're calling on employers to take the lead in creating lasting improvements for their staff. So IOSH President Louise Hoskin has said, MSDs have a huge impact on millions of people all over the world, both restricting their ability to do their work and also undertake everyday tasks in their daily life. Employers have a duty to ensure that they manage the risks of MSDs. These risks vary across different industries, but there are simple steps employers can take to ensure that the risks are managed successfully, starting with thoroughly risk assessing the work people are doing. This is why IOSH are supporting the European Week for Safety and Health at Work. We urge all employers to do the same and review how they're managing MSD risks in their workplace. So if you want more information on this, just go to our website, hsmsearch.com, and in the search box, type campaign targets work-related health issue. Campaign targets work-related health issue. And you can find all the links that you need. You know, again, um, another really worthwhile campaign. And, and I also have been very, very active on this. And I, I'd urge you to take a look at it. Okay, so moving on, some good news. So entries are now open for the Safety and Health Excellence Awards that we run. And last year we had over 200 entries and it was fantastic to be back face-to-face -face at the Vox for the awards. And we had over 450 people there. It is now the sector's biggest networking evening. We've run it five times, including during COVID uh, digitally. And, you know, we are 
really, really proud of these awards, and and it's something the industry has really got behind over the last five years. And we're very grateful to all our sponsors, including the headline sponsor Eco Online. And we expect more than five hundred and fifty people to be there when we deliver the awards night itself on the twenty sixth of April at the Vox Energy in Birmingham, which will be the middle of the night of the health and safety event, I should mention. But anyway, it is free to enter, completely free to enter, and the entry deadline is the 15th of February 2023. So we have got a number of categories. The Alan MacArthur Unsung Hero Award, sponsored by 3M. This is launched in dedication to our good friend Alan MacArthur, who sadly passed away a few years ago now. And it really is to recognise someone who is dedicated and gone above and beyond to raising health and safety standards. We've got Best Health and Safety Manufacturing uh, category, uh, sponsored by Marta. We've got Best Health and Safety Project, Health and Safety Manager of the Year, Campaign of the Year, really important one. You know, a couple of campaigns we just talked about could very much enter that. Team of the Year, sponsored by Nibosh. This is one of our most popular categories. Enter your team, a team you're in, you know, it could be a customer's health and safety team, anyone that's made a difference to health and safety in a team, put them in. Rising star of the year, so someone that's worked in the health and safety sector since the 1st January 2021 and really made a difference, and that's sponsored by Evertix. Please do enter that award. The Safe Logistics Award, a bit different this one. This is all about celebrating safety excellence in logistics and supply chain sectors. It's a great category, that one. Woman of the Year Award. So that's sponsored by Cromwell. And this is designed to recognise a health and safety um, professional who's female who's made a significant contribution to health and safety or well-being. That's a very popular category. Please do nominate yourself, a colleague, somebody in the supply chain. Then a new category, Marketing Campaign of the Year. So this can be anything that has been done to promote a health and safety product. Um, so definitely agenda. Another new category, Distributor of the Year, Distributor of Health and Safety Products. Um, then we've got another new category um, being brought about really by the government from um, Driving for Better Business, and it's sponsored by National Highways. Best Driver Risk Management Performance Award. That is all about what you guys have done to reduce accidents, risks uh, for workplace driving. Um, you don't have to have a fleet for that. It's, you could just be having people on the road in your business. That is going to be a really interesting one. And, uh, and another fun on you category where we're working with the health and safety executive on this and discovering safety. We're very, very proud to do that. And that is a new category on the best use of health and safety data to lower incident rates. We suspect that will also be very important to you guys because you are using data now to reduce incident rates. So, Tell us how you've done it and um, get yourself recognised for it. These awards are the perfect way to get yourself, your team, an individual at your business, um, a client, recognise the fantastic job you guys all do in keeping people or property safe. So please do enter. It's free, completely free to do so. And you go to she-awards.com. That's S-H-E-awards.com. Or just put in a search engine, safety and health excellence awards so yeah you've got until the 15th of february please please do enter that and on the topic of awards i am delighted to say that hsm has been shortlisted for two prestigious awards ourselves the independent publishers awards has recognized health and safety matters both the british safety industry federation annual guide that we did last year and the PPE Insights Guide. We are up for Best Commercial Partnership of the Year and Best Front Cover of the Year for the PPE Insights Guide, which is the first time that we featured female workwear on there. It was something that, you know, we had a lot of great feedback on. And, you know, 
you know, as co-owner of this business, I'm unbelievably proud that we've been shortlisted twice for that. We've had six actual uh, shortlistings in total, including publisher of the year, which we're very proud of. And, you know, a, a lot of effort goes into the magazines from um, the whole team there, from the editor to, to sales to production. And, you know, huge congratulations to, to, to all of them. And because I, I read through every line of the PP Insights Guide. It was the biggest one we ever did. And, you know, it, it's purposely there. And if you haven't read it, go to our website, hmsearch.com, and you can see it up on the homepage. You can look at it on digital format. It, it's a fantastic research tool. We did a survey with all of you to, to get trends to the sector. And then we took analysis from industry professionals. It's like a 14-page article on that of in-depth, which, which you just won't get elsewhere because we're committed to try and get as detailed a content to you as possible. And then we gave some real insights from manufacturers and professional, you know, um, industry professionals in there as well. If you haven't looked at it, please do go have a look at it. It's worth it. And and the BSIF guide last year was, it was a monster. It's, it's the biggest thing we do annually. And we're going to press again with it in December. If you don't get these publications, you can do so for free. Just go to hsmsearch.com and sign up on the right-hand side to, to get them in print or digital format. But, you know, huge congratulations to um, Kelly, Paul, Chrissy, Alex, Zoe, Danny, um, Louise, everyone that's involved with uh, HSM, um, you know, really, really proud to see that. And and and, and I'm always keen to get your feedback is really why I'm bringing this up. Drop me a line on LinkedIn. Just drop me a DM in there. Tell me what you think of the magazine. Tell me how we can get better. That's what I want to know. What more content do you want? What are we not covering? Could the design be better? Anything that you think that we could improve on, I'm really, really keen to to hear from you. So to drop me a message on LinkedIn, um, just Mark Sennett on LinkedIn, S E W N E W T, and I'm always keen to hear feedback on this podcast, the magazine, etc. So that's the end of the news for this edition of the podcast. You can see all the latest news on our website, which is hsmsearch.com. We'll just put in a search engine, Health and Safety Matters, and that we pop. And you should go to our website, not only to see the news, you can see all the latest prosecutions on there, products and services, all of our upcoming and past webinars you can either sign up to or watch on demand for free. You can also have access to our digital conference, which was a monster couple of days, and that's all available on demand now. If you just Google health and safety matters digital conference or go hsmdigitalconference.com you can watch all of those sessions for free and of course you can sign up to get our weekly or sorry twice a week e-newsletter for free on there as well so now it's time to introduce our guest for this edition of the health and safety matters podcast i'm delighted that i was joined by ben horton who's the technical director of arco professional safety services and we took this opportunity to talk about full protection and if you want to actually see even more information about full protection, we actually just hosted a webinar with MSA, of which you can go on to our website, uh, hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab, and we've got a full protection solutions in challenging applications webinar, which had a phenomenal response of over 1,400 of you registering. You can watch it on demand for free right now just go to our website simsearch.com click on the webinars tab you can watch it so anyway this interview was a real natural follow-on from that on a, on a topic that we cover quite a bit but haven't covered for a while on the podcast so i sat down with ben earlier and here's what he had to say hi ben thanks for joining us today how are you I'm very well, thanks, Mark, uh, and thanks very much for inviting me on to uh, Health and Safety Matters. 
No, we're delighted to have you. And it's been a while since I've uh, spoken about fall protection, and that's really what we're going to focus on today. Um, so before we do that, could you just tell us a bit more about your role at Arco, what you do at Arco? Sure, yeah. So I'm the technical director for Arco Professional Safety Services, which is part of the Arco group. Um, in a nutshell, my role uh, is to ensure services uh, meet the needs of the customer in terms of legal compliance and real world uh, application. Um, I come from a civil engineering background, 40 odd years in oil and gas construction and civil engineering, during which uh, I've really focused on the high risk activities of diving, working at height and confined spaces. So we said we'd talk about fall protection today. So could you tell us about the key elements of a fall protection system, Ben? Yeah, so a fall protection uh, system ranges from uh, procedural control right through to a physical barrier. Um, and, and many will seen these uh, wire systems on roofs and eye bolts next to windows, but may not probably recognise what they're for. Essentially, they provide a means of safe access at height for various tasks, uh, whether it's window cleaning, gutter cleaning, roof repairs, working on air handling equipment. Um, and I guess the single consideration that needs to be taken into account is that it should be usable. It must be usable. Um, if it's not, the risk is that it wouldn't get used at all. Um, or alternatively, it might take one risk away and introduce quite another. And I have seen four restraint systems, which are designed to prevent people uh, encroaching the exposed edge. But it routes straight past a uh, fragile surface, which, of course, is, is nonsense. Um, so that's a real uh, big consideration. But the key component of a, uh, a fall protection system is its anchor. It's like a building foundation. Uh, if that anchor doesn't work, neither will the system. So the correct design and application of the anchor is absolutely absolutely fundamental. Um, there are various uh, standards available for designers and specifiers to re uh, refer to. Now, whether this is um, guardrail, anchor devices, or anchor systems, but the panacea really is to remove the risk of a fall entirely uh, through through design. Um, but if it can't be achieved, then we have to descend through the hierarchy of control. So let's talk about um, anchor systems a moment. So what processes are necessary if you're designing and installing a fall protection anchor system? So um, design is a matter of tiptoeing, literally tiptoeing through a minefield of considerations before uh, specifying a usable and compliant system. Um, we all know we don't live in an ideal world, and so there are many constraints. Um, so the designer really has to have a good understanding of working height and the tasks that are to be uh, performed. Um, a good example of this is designing for industrial rope access. Now, this is a specialist method of access, and a designer has to have a really good understanding of the technique if they're able to design a suitable rope access anchor array. But equally, um, the possibly the more mundane tasks of gutter cleaning, window cleaning, roof repairs, they come with their bearing um, requirements. And if the system has to be designed for fall arrest as opposed to fall restraint, rescue consideration has to be taken into account. So the designer also needs a really good understanding of building fabric and engineering principles. Uh, there are some high design loads come into the requirements. Uh, these can be in excess of 21 kilonewtons, which in old money is over two tonnes. Um, also, old buildings, by their very nature, no consideration has been made for, um, for protection. So um, with historic buildings in particular, we need to take a sympathetic approach. Uh, nobody's going to thank us for stringing metres of shiny guardrail across this historic building. Um, I think... 
the other part of it is we've got to recognise we can't be experts in everything. Um, we have to have a good network of reliable specialist support. This could be structural engineers, heritage building conservationists, fabricators. They're all people to refer to uh, and should form part of the design process. Um, equally, when um, designing an installation is completed, um, it requires commission and certifying uh, before it can be put into use. Now, historically, uh, and as in the case now, um, uh, and with, as with many types of installation, um, this is done through self-certification. And given that this is life-saving equipment, in my opinion, self-certification is probably not robust enough. Um, the consequences of system failing are really, really high. Um, and I do worry whether self-certification would stand up to scrutiny in the courts. Um, and I suppose to finish this off, uh, you know, a fall event is probably the only time a system is truly going to be put to the test. Uh, so really nothing can be left to chance. You talk about things being put to the test, but is there a particular standard that needs to be met to ensure ongoing safety, in your opinion? Or matter of factly, I should say. Well, yes, Mark, there are, there, are, there are a range of design standards. It's actually very well catered for in terms of design, um, you know, for various parts of the fall protection industry. But um, the document that I would like to talk to you about today is uh, BS 7883. Um, this is really the, the go-to for the industry. Um, it provides really good doctrine and covers everything from design through installation to periodic inspection. And it is considered as best practice. Practice. Uh, it's not a new document. It was first issued in 1997, uh, and we're now on the 2019 version. Uh, and there have been a couple of revisions and amendments in between. Um, I think the point being is that the latest edition addresses some uh, industry concerns. Uh, it takes a very much more prescriptive approach, uh, and by doing so, reduces the risk of uh, misinterpretation. Now, at 130 pages long, it isn't exactly light reading, um, but for anybody involved in, with a fall protection anchorage system, it really must be the go-to document. I'll give you a brief example of this approach, and it's only one part of it. Um, there's always been a requirement to provide evidence of the design process. Now, whether this is risk and mitigations, structural calculations, drawings, etc. But I think it's safe to say that the approach hasn't been consistently applied across the industry. Um, the revised standard, the 2019 standard, takes a very much more prescriptive approach and it ensures that all the elements of the system have been, of the design have been considered, but really importantly, documented. So it leaves a lot less to interpretation. I think that's really, really important. Um, one of the main things it calls for in the design process is then called a technical file. Uh, now, this is a reference document for the life of the system. Uh, and in BS 7883-2019, it clearly describes the information that the technical file must contain. Um, the technical file is particularly important document for custodians, for those people who are duty holders of the system after its commissioning. Uh, it contains the design uh, decisions, photographs, drawings, and lots of other information that might not be immediate ob obvious. Um, for instance, elements that might have been hidden, uh, having been weathered in uh, at uh, installation. Now, this information in the technical file can then be passed on sub subsequently to inspectors at the periodic inspections. So once you have your system in place, what needs to be done then in order to maintain safety? Well, the first thing is to assign a 
duty holder. Now, um, this is a person who's responsible for the system, could be a facilities manager, building owner, maintenance manager. Um, there is a legal requirement to ensure that the system is fit for use. If it's not fit for use, it must be removed from use. It's a binary thing. Um, it's either works or it doesn't. Um, so for fall protection systems, um, inspection in accordance with the S7883 is at 12-month intervals, but be really careful because if an anchor is for suspension, for instance, rope access, the lifting operations, lifting equipment regulations apply, LOLA, uh, and that might reduce down to uh, six monthly periodic inspections. Um, so it's very well worth referring to the technical file to find out exactly what those requirements are. Um, the person carry out, carrying out those inspections uh, must be qualified and competent, um, but equally have the experience of the system that they're inspecting. Um, from a duty holder's point of view, the responsibility is to ensure the certification remains in place, um, to hold certification on record, and put the system out of use physically, if possible, um, if it failed or falls out of certification, so it simply can't be used. Um, the 2019 standard is onerous, but it does recognise that the old binary pass-fail outcome would probably render quite a lot of systems unusable um, because of the lack of compliance supporting information. So um, it's introduced two intermediate outcomes, uh, and this is this is important. Um, there's the conditional pass. Now, this is where no immediate safety concerns uh, have been raised. However, the, and, and the system can be returned to service, provided Provided a report is uh, issued that details time-bound remedial actions that are required. The other one is a conditional fail. Now, this is where an immediate safety concern has been raised uh, and one that must be remedied. Um, the system must be taken out of service and a report issued detailing the remedial actions required. But importantly, the system must then be inspected and certified before being put back into service. So as I understand it then, Ben, this standard isn't actually regulation, but what are the consequences of not adhering to it? Yeah, you're correct, Mike. Um, the, the standards are not regulations. There's no legal requirement to comply, but be again, be really care careful. Uh, standards are generally treated as best practice, so any departure from them will be subject to scrutiny if a system were to fail. It doesn't mean that an alternative system can't be used, um, but it must meet the requirements and loads that are asked of it with sufficient factor of safety. Um, and importantly, uh, the evidence of the design process has to be recorded um, for, for, for reference to the later date. Um, if an alternative design was found not to be suitable and sufficient, uh, the various parties in the chain of custody, that could be anyone between designer to duty holder, could face prosecution under the Health and Safety Work Act and any of its supporting statutory instruments. And I think this is a uh, point that I would like to leave with you, Mark. Um, the consequence of a fa uh, system failing are really serious. Um, the results will probably be a serious injury, if not a person being killed. Um, the subsequent trauma for family, friends, colleagues is immense. And someone in that chain will have to bear that on their conscience. Conscience. Now, that stands quite apart from the severe penalties that a court might impose on the company who has done the design or is a custodian. And there's some heavy f um, fines, custodial sentences, and that's not to speak of the loss of reputation and consequential financial losses that the company will suffer 
because of, uh, of a failure of a system they may have had some input to. Well, thank you for giving us such a comprehensive overview of this. You know, some really, really interesting insights, which I'm sure our, our listeners will agree. Now, obviously, you, you work for Arco and Argo Professional Safety Services have a of a range of full protection systems. You also offer training, consultancy, and, and various other services. What's the best way to get in touch with you, Ben, or, or Arco? Right, so Arco Professional Services is the safety services uh, arm of Arco, and probably the best way to, to, to contact us is through our website, which is www.arcoservices.co.uk. Um, if not, we have um, a, a, on the website, there is a direct line to our customer services team who will be able to put you in touch with the right person to speak to. Well, Ben, thank you for your great insight today. We really appreciate it. It was great to have you on. Not at all. And once again, thank you very much for the invitation to speak to your audience at uh, Health and Safety Matters. So that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said throughout this podcast, please, please do give me your feedback on the podcast. You can go on social media and use hashtag HSM podcast or drop me a direct message through LinkedIn. I'd be really keen to hear from you on your views of the podcast, what we should cover, your views on the Health and Safety Matters magazine, what we can do better, what we can include, or just general feedback. You know, of course, you can go to our website. As I've said many times, you can search for Health and Safety Matters on a search engine or go to hsmsearch.com sign up to get the magazines for free including the bsif guide and the pp insights guide or you can sign up to get our twice a week e-newsletter for free as well which over fifty thousand of you do or you could look at our upcoming webinars or past webinars by clicking on the webinars tab at hsmsearch.com but you know the main reason to go there is always seeing all the latest news prosecutions products and services and in-depth articles that we've got on offer all for free for all of you and i'd very much like to thank our sponsor of today's podcast which is once again the health and safety event and as i said right at the start of uh, today's uh, podcast the health and safety event takes place at the nec in birmingham on the 25th to 27th of april 2023 and is co-located with the fire safety event the workplace event the national Cybersecurity show and the security event. If you register at healthandsafetyevent.com for free, you can get access to all four of those, or I think it's all five actually, of those shows. And they're all across many halls at the NEC. And it is now the biggest national health and safety event in the UK. So I'd strongly urge you to go to healthandsafetyevent.com. But in the meantime, as I said, please do go to our website, hsmsearch.com. But also, please, please do enter our awards, as I've mentioned. Safety and Health Excellence Awards are open for entries. It's free to enter. You just have to go to she-awards.com or just put in your search engine, Safety and Health Excellence Awards. I went through the categories with you. It's free to enter. You've got until February to do so. Please, please do enter now. It's well worth getting yourself, your company, your team, an individual, a client, a product, etc., or a campaign, or notice, because you guys do a fantastic job keeping people and property safe, and it deserves the recognition. So please do go to she-awards.com. But thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to welcoming you back next month for the next edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. (music) 